0: We are excited about about our new series. Last week we started a new series and we're calling this series Be the Church because the question that we asked was, are we the church or do we just attend church? And that's a big question. It's an important question because especially right now where there is so much disruption in our world and and also in the way that we do church, right? Right it's very important that we go back and we find out, what is church? Who are we actually supposed to be as the church? And as we look at that question, are we the church? And if we are the church, what does the church entail? Who am I supposed to be in the midst of a church, as a part of a church, other than just coming to a church, attending the church? You know, That's where I'm at on a Sunday, or what label do I go by? And it's imperative that we discover What is our purpose? What was our purpose in the beginning? And we do that by going back and looking at the inception of the church. What did Jesus say the church was? How did it start? What was its mission? And then how do we identify, what exactly are we supposed to do in the 21st century? Now there are plenty of people in America that would call themselves Christians that would just be happy attending church or going to a building on Sunday morning. But we, as Living Word Family Church, whose purpose it is to strengthen families and build disciples, which making disciples actually helps to strengthen families. But but it's very important that we understand exactly what is our mission. Because honestly, I don't believe that any one of us wants to do church just out of tradition or just because that's what we're supposed to do. That's just painful. I think there's something on the inside of you and me that we wanna make a difference with our lives. If we're gonna invest this much time and energy and money into something, that we wanna make sure that the thing that we are supposed to be actually makes a difference in the world that we're in. That it makes a difference in the lives of people that we are called to affect. That it makes a difference in the eternity of those people. And actually, that we want to be used by God to make disciples, to help other people grow and live a powerful Christian life as well as ourselves. And so during this series, we're just looking at, so what is it that we're supposed to be and how do we do that here in the 21st century? And so the big question is, is this disruption of our life right now, this shaking that's going on right now? Are you and I allowing it to mold and shape us and cause us to be more dependent on him and more focused on why we actually exist, which is to make disciples. See, that's my prayer for each and every one of us, for me and for you, that we understand that this causes us, this shaking causes us to understand more of who we are, the core of what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be as members of the church and as the church as a whole. So we know that the church started as a movement that a handful of people that believed that Jesus actually rose from the dead, that, and they began to proclaim that Jesus is the risen son of God and that he had been raised from the dead. And Luke tells us in Acts that the church got started the day when they started preaching that message and 3,000 people, around 3,000 people became Christians. But you know what? Over time was the church began to be an institution it had a hierarchy and people began to be controlled and other people realized that they could control people through this. And before long, this outwardly focused movement that was about passion, love, acceptance, that we don't care what your race is or where you're from, we just want you to know Jesus is a son of God and he loves you. This outwardly focused movement that was about making disciples began to turn inward as a club. And listen, I'm a pastor, I'm a son of a pastor, and what I've seen over the year is that churches make this transition from outwardly focused to inwardly focused super fast. In fact, a lot of you could tell stories about that. Your parents maybe got divorced when you were a kid and your church didn't know what to do with that, and so now your mom and your dad had to leave the church, or maybe you were in a church that split. And these deacons hated those deacons, and then they're throwing the pastor out, and your parents are like, forget it. Or maybe you were old enough just to say, forget it. Or maybe there was a budget meeting, and people are fighting over money within the church, and you just think, why do we want to waste our time with this? Or maybe you experienced some kind of racism within the church, and so these people are better than those people, and don't hang out with those people because you know, they're all out to get you. When you think about your story, and then you read all these stories in Acts about the opening of the church, I mean, you could compare them and say, man, that doesn't look anything like the church of the first century. And in that church, they loved each other and they shared with each other. And people from all these different cultures and ethnicities, they just took care of each other. And it seemed like the only thing that you had to believe, the only thing that you had to know, the rallying point was not how you took communion, or if you were a communion or if you were took communion or if you were baptized or sprinkled or you know the only thing was that Jesus was the son of the living de- god and he rose from the dead and that was it and that's all we needed to know and we could all believe different things on a smaller level but if you believe that Jesus was the son of god the only way to heaven we were a family and if you didn't believe that that was all right we just want to know how we can help you we're not trying to force you to believe something that, that they were just trying to help people. And listen, if you have been burned by the church, the 21st century church, I want to apologize to you on behalf of the church because when we look at at the first century church, it was amazing. And one of the ways that we know that we can tell if our church is still on mission, if a church is still on mission, if a church is on track, is how a church prays. In fact, if you open the Bible to Acts chapter four, what we're gonna do is we're gonna read together the very first prayer that the early church prayed. And this is really remarkable because Luke jotted down that the very first prayer, the very first group of believers in Jerusalem, how they prayed. But before we look at that, I wanna talk to Christians specifically. Now, if you're watching today and you're not a Christian, you can sit back and look at this and just, yeah, I knew they were all hypocrites anyway. But listen, if you're a Christian, I want you to think for just a second about the prayers that we pray. Now, for the most part, and there are exceptions, but the average prayer of most of us, we pretty much pray for ourselves, don't we? And we pray for our family and maybe a few sick people that we know, and that's it. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, the things and the things that we pray for ourselves, a lot of times, to be honest, the things that I prayed for myself are absurd. I mean, sometimes there are some extreme circumstances, so I'm not poking fun. But, I, and I'm not even gonna suggest that we stop praying anything that we, we are currently praying now. You'll see that in a minute. But for the most part, the things that we pray for, just to be honest, they're gonna be sometimes things that happen anyway. They don't stress God's energy, right? In other words, I've, I've prayed sometimes, God, give us a safe trip, okay? So, fasten my seatbelt. Drive the speed limit. I mean, we don't necessarily need divine intervention for that. I pray that because I want that. But listen, God doesn't go, oh, my gosh, that, this is going to be a hard one. This is going to be difficult, but I think we can pull this off. You know, or, uh, well, help me do well on my test. Well, did you study? I mean, really, atheists do well on tests. It's not something that, you know, that God is stressing about going, coming through on. Or God, please, I pray that I have a good uh, parking spot when I get to Walmart. I, see, I've got God's favor because I have a good close parking spot. Well, yeah, but so do the other 70 people that are <laughs> parked on the front at Walmart. But listen, God is just saying, hey, don't, don't stop praying those prayers, but, t- but, but challenge me. Give me something big to do through you. And listen, once again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for any of that stuff. Keep praying for that stuff. But the things that all of our prayers most of the time have in common is that the center of our prayers is, is, is what? It's that it's about us. In fact, I'm just guessing if God had answered all of your prayers last year, all of my prayers, the ones that we pray week in, week out, if God had answered all of our prayers last year, for most of us, the only person that would be better off is us and maybe a family member. I mean, so maybe you're not married. Well, you would be married, right? Uh, Or your kids would have gotten into a better school. You would have already graduated. You would have a better GPA. You would have a job or a better job. If God answered all of our prayers last year, who would have been better off? And I don't think we should quit praying any of that. All I'm saying is this, is my concern as your pastor, as your shepherd, is that self-centered prayers when you get them all together after a while, they start acting like self-centered Christians. And when that happens, this whole thing, it does. It just becomes a building and a service and we just become church people and we start doing church things and then we start getting on each other's nerves because we're so self-centered. We offended each other. And then we find another building that they call the church. And, And listen, I know this about us, you and me. We wanna be something bigger than that. We don't wanna fall into that trap. And listen, people that are about God's mission pray big prayers that are outside of themselves. And I wanna challenge us to start praying a different kind of prayer. Now, here's how the first Christians prayed. Now, before we start this story, I'm gonna give you a quick catch up on, the back, on a backstory. 3,000 people joined the church in one day. Several days later, Peter and John are going to the temple. And they see this guy that, uh, that has not walked until he was born and he's a beggar. And they go by and this guy is holding out his hand and he wants some money and that's how he survives. And Peter and John say, listen, we don't have any money on us, but we've got something better. We want you to get up and walk. And this guy is miraculously healed. They speak the word over him and they claim him to be healed and he stands up and walks. So then they take him to the temple and the people in the temple, they recognize him and because they have seen him begging every day. And now they see him inside the temple and he's walking. And so suddenly there is a stir inside the temple. There's all this emotion and energy and everybody's, everybody's uh, going crazy. So this guy's just walking around. And so Peter stands up and he just decides to preach his own sermon right up in the temple. I mean, he had no authority to do that. So he preaches this sermon, and in the middle of the sermon, he talks about the word that he just can't stay away from, the word resurrection. And Luke tells us in the book of of Acts that by the end of the message that Peter preaches, over 5,000 men, and that's just men, in addition to the original 3,000, have been given their lives to Christ in the city of Jerusalem. So now you have, listen, about 10% of the whole population of Jerusalem have become Christians within a matter of a week. The people in the temple are angry, and they just say, listen, you can't come in here and just preach that kind of stuff. And, and they're mad because they keep getting picked on because every time Peter preaches, he says, oh, by the way, you crucified him. So they arrest Peter and John, they throw him in jail for the night, and the word spreads throughout the city that the people that were close to Peter and John, this original Jesus group, it was about 120 of them, and they are all like, oh man, they've arrested Peter and John because they're thinking they crucified Jesus. I mean, that, that was only two months ago, and now they've arrested Peter and John. We may never see him again. So the next morning, They pull them out of jail and they bring them in and the leaders of the temple say, all right, so what is this thing that you keep talking about? So Peter stands up and he launches into another sermon. It's your typical preacher, right? And he's talking about the son of God and Jesus rising from the dead. And here's how he concludes it. He says, and in conclusion, salvation is found in no one else. He says, there's no other name by which anybody can be saved which really bugged the leaders of the temple and the G, this Jewish sect. But the problem was that the guy who had been healed, he came to the meeting and he's standing there and everybody knew that this is a miracle. And you can't punish the miracle workers, right? So then it says when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these guys are unschooled ordinary men, it says that they were astonished and they couldn't they took note that they had been with Jesus, that's a whole nother message. Then it goes on and it says, since they saw the man that had been healed, that he was standing, there was nothing that they could say. So they say to Peter and John, listen, okay, we're gonna let you go, but be quiet. We don't wanna hear anything else about this Jesus guy. We don't talk about him, don't talk about the resurrection, quit blaming us for crucifying him. Keep your mouth shut. And if you'll do that, we'll let you go. And Peter looks at him right fresh out of jail. And he says, look, you got to do what you got to do, but we got to do what we got to do. We cannot stop talking about what we have seen. So they go ahead and let him go. And Peter and John, they find this group, Mary and James and Bartholomew and Andrew and all the other disciples, people that had become followers, and they get with them and everybody breathes a sigh of relief, because you're good, you're safe, you know, we didn't know if we were ever gonna see you again. And then Luke tells us that they pray. Now, I'm gonna show you the prayer in just a minute, but I want you to imagine, how would you respond to this? You almost lost guy number one and guy number two, Peter and John, they spent a night in jail, they barely escaped with their lives. And so what would we pray for? I know how we would pray, because we're Americans we would pray the prayers that we always pray. We'd pray for protection. God bless us and keep us and protect us and cover us and hedge your protection and all of that. And it's all about, for us, it's all about safety and protection, right? But listen, are, are you ready for this? Here's how they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And here's the request. And enable your servants to speak your word in great boldness. Do you remember the last time you prayed for boldness? mean, is it even in our vocabulary in our 21st century churches to pray for boldness? It's more about safety, that we could represent him in our world? Let me ask you a question. Do you know why the message of Jesus got here to the 21st century? It's because the first 21st century Christians had and prayed for boldness. And for the most part, we don't even have to think about it. I mean, the, and the first thing that they asked for, that was, that was you know, extreme enough, but then they said this, stretch out your hand to heal, perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They were asking to be able to go out into their community and to perform signs and wonders where people would say, wow, that must be God. So what if we started praying that? God, would you please stretch out your hand and do something through me in my secular community, among my unbelieving friends, among my anti-church friends? God, would you be willing to stretch out your hand and do something in my life or do something with me that's unusually, that's unusual? Not inside the church building, but outside the church building for the benefit of those that might believe. See, the whole point of healing for the, in the New Testament wasn't just for the people that were being healed. Don't get me wrong, they appreciated it. They, they, had, they needed that. But it was that people around them would go, that must be God, tell me more. You see, that was, that was a huge part of the point. They were asking if they could go out and, God, help us go out into our communities and demonstrate your love and your power not for the sake of those people that are watching. Could you imagine what would happen in Living Word Family Church if we as Christians began to add to, don't subtract from your prayers, pray for safety, pray for all that, but add to your prayers. God, I pray that I get the parking space. I pray that I get a better job, safe travels. And would you give me boldness with my friends, with my co coworkers, with my schoolmates, that that give me boldness so that I would see opportunities and I would take those opportunities. And God, would you stretch out your hand and would you do something through me in my sphere of influence that would possibly get the people around me that maybe have written you off or written the church off, would you do something that would cause them to give you another look? Could you imagine what would happen if we began to pray like the first century believers? I'll tell you what'll happen, that you and I, we will see more opportunities to take advantage of boldness because God will allow us to see what we're looking for. We see what we're looking for, right? And when you begin to pray and I begin to pray, God, make me bolder and give me opportunities. Stretch out your hand. Listen, what's gonna happen is we're gonna begin to see things that we've never seen before. And then it says, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And then Luke, who is writing on this down, he says, listen, I got to tell you this one other part and I don't understand it and I don't understand the connection. But the very next verse, here's what Luke says. And all the believers were one in heart and in mind. We don't find a whole lot of that today. And nobody claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had that suddenly along with this boldness, there was an outbreak of extreme generosity, not because of a sermon or because of a building campaign. It was just because they became outsider focused because they became concerned about the community as they began to talk about the resurrection, there was an outbreak of generosity. So here's the deal. We're already a really good church. People come in and, they, and we have a beautiful building and we have amazing worship and people volunteer and we have the word that's taught. But I want us to be a church that's bigger than that. I want for us, we want for us to be a people that reaches other people that are far from God and doesn't actually, and we don't stop there, but we actually mentor them and help make disciples. That a church where you and I are making disciples But to start with, I want for us to be a church that prays big prayers, that we leverage who we are for the sake of people that don't have anything to do with Jesus yet. And listen, we have a good track record at this. We've been good at this. But here's what I know about all of us, especially with this pressure that's on right now, is that what starts other-centered, if we're not careful, it becomes all about us and our safety. And listen, here's what I know, is that the way that we pray is an indication of where our heart is. The way we pray will tell us whether we're on track to pursue God's mission for our community and the marketplace and the world, or is this becoming like it has become for so many churches and so many Christians that it becomes insider oriented. So here's what I want us to do. For those of you that are Christians, when I guess for those of you that aren't Christians, you could do this too. I just didn't want you to feel put on the spot, but I just want you to add to your prayer every day. God, make me bolder. Give me boldness. And God, would you, would you, and maybe this part freaks you out a little bit, but God, would you stretch out your hand? If you could do something in my life that could cause people to see your miraculous power, that they could say, Wow, that's God. And then, you know what? We want for people to be on mission. We want for people we want for you to feel like the or and to actually be a part of the church and not just go to church. That you are contributing to ministry, not just receiving ministry. And listen, if you're not a religious person or a church person, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable at all. But here's what I want to do. I want to close this message today by reading this prayer together. So if you're not a Jesus follower yet, you don't have to do this, but if you're a Christian, you've got to play. (laughs) And here's why, is because I don't want you to miss this. You are a Christian because the first century church prayed bold prayers. And so if you would, I want you just to read this with me. We're gonna put it up on the screen and I just want you to read it with me. Here we go, enable me To speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Does that feel odd? All right, let's do it one more time. Enable me to speak your word with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer. And as we pray that you would answer that prayer in ways that would astound all of us, I just want you to know that we love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.